This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed, and good morning. I am joined by our friend from the University of Minnesota, Julie Weisenhorn. Good morning, Julie. Hey, Denny. How are you today? I'm doing well. It was kind of a nice, fresh morning. and uh, Ooh, brisk. Yeah, brisk, I guess. we, We had, I don't know if... I haven't even looked outside yet, so I can't even tell you if we had frost. But the temperature was uh, an hour ago 32, now we're at 33. So uh, I would imagine uh, we did get hit with a little frost overnight. Yeah, out here in Mound, we had 30 when I woke up this morning. Ooh. So I'm guessing we definitely did. I haven't, uh, I didn't see anything. I was just checking out the plants left on the deck. And of course, they're all going into the composter pretty soon here. But um yeah, I, I'm guessing we probably did. So we'll probably see a little bit of effect from that. All right, very good. Well, I well, it's the time. I mean, let's face it. It is. Yeah, yeah. it's about time. Uh, maybe it past time, <laughs> but uh, but it looks like a pretty good week temperature-wise. If we need to get out there and do our uh, yard and garden work, uh, temperature is going to be in the low to maybe mid fifties mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the week. So it looks uh, yes. looks looks pretty good. Well, let's uh, tell our listeners they are certainly welcome to call in their lawn or garden question or text it in. It is the same number, and that number is. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Again, six five one four six one nine two two six. And as Julie knows, and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we tend to get a little busy around here in the eight o'clock hour on our Smart Garden show. So uh, ask away. Ask your question uh, as soon as you can. Um, there were a couple of things already that uh, popped up, uh, Julie. Maybe we could tackle. Sure. Uh, cool. how, how do you take care of a jade plant? Oh, jade plants, those are wonderful succulents. They're indoor plants. And uh, one of the key things about succulents is that they don't need as much water as you might think they do. They have these kind of meaty leaves and you would think, oh, they need a lot of water. But the easiest way to water a jade plant and other succulents is to feel the leaves. And if they're firm, they don't need any water. If they're soft and you can bend them a little bit, they need to be watered. So that's a really good rule of thumb. Too many times we overwater succulents. So other than that, they're pretty easy to care for. They like a bright window. Uh, they grow pretty slowly. You can pinch them back to make them branch in different uh, directions. So they're really awesome plants. All right. Very good. Uh, here's one that says, good morning to my favorite show. What a great opening that is. Huh? <laughs> nice. Good morning, my favorite show. Where do I keep seeds from my zinnia plant over the winter? 
So the key for seeds, uh, for keeping those is to keep them dry. So let them dry out really well. You can lay them out on a paper towel on a counter uh, in a cool, dry area. And, uh, and just make sure that they're nice and dry. And then uh, just put them into a jar and you can keep them in a cool place. You don't want to keep them near a heater or uh, another heat source or in a sunny location. I keep mine in a cupboard. You can keep them in, um, in a cool garage, for example, or in the refrigerator. Uh, you have to be a little careful in the refrigerator that the lid is on nice and tight so that there's no moisture in there. And sometimes if you save the little silicone pads, oh, yeah. you can put them in with seeds and that will help to absorb any moisture. Kind of a, just a, you know, kind of a fail-safe kind of uh, uh, process there or method. Where they usually have written on there, do not eat. Yeah, do not eat. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Here's a listener, uh, Julie, that sent in, speaking of the frost this morning, there was a quarter inch of ice on the cattle water trough in Montrose oh, in Minnesota Oh, boy, this there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, it's been cold up north. It was in the 20s at, uh, in Bemidji. Uh, where our friends live. And uh, I think, yeah, I think we're kind of, looks like a cool stretch now for about the next 10 days or so. Didn't Julie, you have, uh, you and Carl have friends that were in Africa? We do. Yeah. Our friend Bob Myers, he's in um, uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, he's the one who has the elephants in his yeah, we, community garden. We, we get people calling in, they're te- texting in saying, you know, what do you do about rabbits in the yeah. garden? How about elephants? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Here's our phone number if you're uh, texting from Africa, <clears throat> excuse me, or here, 651-461-9226. Ken is calling in from Blaine, I believe, uh, this morning. Ken, good morning. You are on with Julie. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I have some uh, flowering plants that uh, were, you know, are bulb plants, but the bulbs uh, are not uh, will not survive the winter. So I need to dig them up, and I just was wondering how uh, you would recommend storing those bulbs uh, through the winter. Well, that's a great question, Ken. Thank you for asking it. Um, A lot of our bulbs that are, we call them summer blooming bulbs. So they're things like canna lilies and calla lilies, uh, gladiolas. Um, Some are tubers, actually, technically, but we call them, in general, we refer to them all as bulbs. And the easiest way to take care of those is to, with, for example, with canna lilies, you can let them just die back. Uh, they'll get hit by cold. The top of the plant will die back. You can dig them up and, uh, and let them dry out in a nice, dry, cool area. I have a heated garage, so I feel very fortunate as a gardener. But I like to lay them out in there on just a, in a pan or on a, a piece of cardboard or something and let them dry out. You can do this in your basement as well. And uh, they kind of cure, they kind of, co- the covering or the, uh, the outside of the, pl- of the bulb actually kind of hardens up a little bit. And that will help to keep them preserved through the winter. Then store them in a paper bag or a bag of peat moss with, that's a little bit damp. Uh, and you can put them in uh, just a cool, dry area. And cool means like 55, 60 degrees. Don't keep them someplace where it's 70 in. Uh, just a cool, dry area. And cool means like 55, 60 degrees. Don't keep them someplace where it's 74, you know, in your hottest area. And keep them in the dark. And then in the spring or late winter, actually, if you have a container that you want to plant them in, you can plant them up indoors and start watering them so that you kind of get a head start on the spring. 
But we do have good information on bulbs and taking care of those on our extension site. So that is extension.umn.edu. And you would find this under the flower section of Yard and Garden. That's such a great website. Again, extension.umn.edu. Check it out when you have a chance. Uh, Mary, I think uh, Julie is calling in from Mound, Minnesota today. Hey. the Mound. Yeah, Mary. Uh, <laughs> you're on with Julie. Oh, hi, Julie. Um, I have a Lemon Lights Azalea that I bought mm. two springs ago. And last fall it bloomed. So I thought it was confused. Well, lo and behold, it's blooming this <laughs> fall. How do I get it to turn around? You cannot turn it around. It is responding to uh, the environment. And actually, I've noticed that Lemon Lights is one of the azaleas. This is one of our, our light series developed by the University of Minnesota. It's one of the azaleas that seems to bloom uh, occasionally during the fall. Uh, my mom had it up north near Duluth, and uh, some of her Lemon Lights would bloom in the fall. Um, my sister-in-law has one out in Alexandria and hers would bloom in the fall and they were actually blooming at the Arboretum this fall. So uh, you can't really turn it around. Re that plant is responding to uh, temperature, to light, and, uh, and this year in particular we had such a long warm fall that we saw lots of plants re-blooming this year. It's called remondency. And it's where a plant will rebloom. And some plants are bred to do that, not the lemon lights necessarily. But some azaleas will rebloom as uh, warm temperatures are available in the fall. So that happens to be one of them. And just enjoy it as a second bloom. It should not affect your flowers for next year significantly. So, um, so just enjoy it. And it's just kind of one of these uh, interesting things that plants will do. Yeah. What is that called again? Remondency. Okay. All right, let's do this. Uh, I'm getting signal we need to take a break. So let's do a quick break and uh, come on back. 651-461-9226. Tons of uh, text messages, and uh, we're going to get back to the phones as well. So stay with us here on a Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, thanks to good folks like Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M helping you out this morning by phone and by text. Here is the number. Uh, it's a little bit of a newer number than we've had uh, years past, 651-461-9226. Callers and texters, we have plenty, Julie. All right. Uh, Stan in Plymouth, let's grab a call from Stan first before we grab some text. Stan, what's your question for Julie? Yes. Um, hello. I had my lawn service come to my house yesterday, and they aerated the lawn, and then they overseeded it with grass seed. Probably a silly question, but if I water, still doing a little bit of watering, do I want that grass seed to germinate, or do I not want to water? Do I just want to let it be dormant? Boy, that, that's a great question, Stan. And, um, and first of all, congratulations for aerating your lawn. That will go a long way to helping improve your lawn density next year. It really relieves the compaction. And it also allows you to get that seed down into the soil. Now, we've had temperatures uh, that are pretty cool. And, um, and you do want to actually add water to that. You do want to water the lawn. You don't want it to germinate 
which you are correct in being concerned about that. But you do want to do some application of water at this point, just once. And uh, it looks like we're going to be getting some rain later this week anyway, just so that the seed doesn't dry out. But the temperature is going to be key, that the temperature stays cool enough where those that seed is so that it doesn't germinate. Some of it might, but hopefully, um, hopefully it won't. And you can always do another seeding uh, later in November. Uh, to just just in case there's some of that seed that germinates. So you can do a second one. Very good. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, good question. Great question. Yeah. Is it uh, okay, a texture wants to know, still to plant daffodil bulbs? Yeah, get them in the ground quickly. They uh, They need to be in the ground actually a little earlier than this, probably around middle of October, so about a week or so ago. And um, you want to get them in there because we want those roots to actually kind of grow down into the soil a little bit so that they get a little established before we hit winter. And and you're going to want to water those as well because that's going to help to rehydrate those roots and get them growing so that they grab into that soil and they're ready to go in the spring. Julie, a couple of uh, weed killing questions. Uh, is it too late to kill some weeds in the lawn? Another one, is it too late to spray for Creeping Charlie? A couple of them. You can still spray for that. Uh, check your label about the air temperature. That's really the clincher right there. You don't want to spray when it's too cold. So I'm not sure where the where the text message is coming from. If it's in the metro, you shouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, these weeds are still actually actively growing. So yes, you can still do some weed control for broadleaf. Okay. Let's go to St. Paul with a phone call. Diane is calling from uh, St. Paul this morning. Diane, good morning. What's your question for Julie? Good morning. I have a very unusual one. Uh, all right. I, harvested, I harvested all my green tomatoes day before yesterday so that they wouldn't freeze. But now I have four boxes, maybe 35 <laughs> pounds of green wow. tomatoes. <laughs> and what I'm looking for is either a food shelf or a someplace I can bring them where people would want to use them. Well, I boy, well, thank you for uh, offering to share those with people. That's really nice. Um, I am. I, I think you can just check your local area, and I would start closest to home. Personally, uh, we have a food shelf here in Mound, and I would contact them first if I had a, a boatload of tomatoes. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of people will want green tomatoes, but some people do. They make green tomato salsa. They fry them. Uh, they cut them up and uh, and cook with them. So I would just check closest to home. I think there's probably a site online where you can just type in local food shelves or food shelves in Minnesota and maybe start with that. All right. Nice offer, though, like you said. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, texter says this, Julie, frost where I live. Can I cut back my echinacea, et cetera? You can cut it back. Uh, it's not an absolute must. Um, I kind of like to leave the echinacea seed heads on through the winter. They um, are sometimes fed on by some of the birds that overwinter here. And they also add a little bit of winter interest. So you can wait to cut them back in the spring, too. Okay. Either way. What is the best method, Texter says, to overwinter begonia bulbs and geraniums? Well, I'm guessing that they're talking about tuberous begonias at this point. Um Tuberous begonias can be left in their pots and just placed in a cool, dry uh, location. You want to water them maybe once a month just to keep them a little bit hydrated. 
And as far as geraniums go, they can also be tucked into a dark, cool area, and you don't need to really water those. You can just let them die back, and they will go dormant over the winter. And then in the in late winter, um, early spring, take them out, put them in a sunny window, and start watering them. Same with the begonias. Okay. Is it too late, this listener wants to know, to winterize new emerging grass? You can still winterize, I think, just a little bit longer. Again, check the labels of the product that you have. It will tell you the temperature at which you can still use the product. What you want to avoid is putting any kind of granular product, or liquid for that matter, on any frozen ground. So if your ground has started to freeze, if you're located in part of the state where we're starting to see uh, frozen soil in the top couple of inches, you want to hold off on doing that because that granular will just basically blow off of the frozen soil and it will go into our waterways and we want to avoid that. So check the label and make sure that your soil is not yet frozen. This listener started lavender from seed and planted out in the landscape. Do I cut it all the way back for the fall and winter and do I need to cover? So great question. Lavender is a little bit tricky in Minnesota to overwinter. And part of the reason is because we have clay soils in a lot of our parts of the state. Lavender really needs a well-drained soil. And if it's in a heavy soil, it will really struggle to overwinter. So it's kind of an evergreen. It holds its, uh, its uh, leaves through the winter. You wanna water it really well until you cannot water it any longer. And uh, again, making sure that that, wa- that that soil is well-drained, that it's not pooling or really saturating that, uh, that uh, soil around it. And then I would cover it. I would put some kind of a like leaf mulch over it. Uh, be sure to mark it where it is so that you remember next year. I would not cut it back. I would leave it uh, in place. You can also fence it, and that helps you to pack in leaves around it. And that will help to keep it, to let it gradually go dormant and then gradually warm up in the spring. And we are going to break for a look at that forecast, the weather forecast coming up. But the Brew Fest is coming up and, and the, the Abiders <laughs> are playing there. Yeah, we're finally playing a gig. I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, November 6th, so a couple Saturdays from now, we will be out at Galewood's Farm in Minnatrista. It is a rotary for our Mound West Tonka, or our, I'm sorry, a fundraiser for our Mound West Tonka Rotary. One of the biggest ones they have every year. We did not do it last year, so we're excited to be back. And we have a new format of bandmates. So you'll see Carlos mm. and me, but also my big brother Scott is going to be on bass. Our buddy John Magley is on guitar. And uh, Andy And is playing violin. And Jeff Linus Bagley, my cousin, is going to be on the saxophone. So All we right. are going to be rocking it out. Three to six, tickets are available at Tonka Brew Fest. And that's oh, coming up fast. It is coming up fast. You bet. All right. Hang on, Julie. We have another half hour of the show to go. Our Smart Garden show will continue after the weather here on News Talk 830 WCC. Hang on, Julie. We have another half hour of the show to go. Our Smart Garden show will continue after the weather here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We're here on CC every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, welcoming either by phone or by text your lawn and garden question. Here is that uh, number again, 651-461-9226. Julie Weisenhauer from the U of M 
helping you out uh, this morning. Julie, here's one. says, right. uh, I have a six-year-old pinnacle birch tree. Can I trim off a few lower branches now? Oh, pinnacle birch. That's a neat-looking tree. Uh, it was developed by the uh, North Dakota State University folks, and mm. it's uh, got a really interesting, lovely, kind of elongated um Ace of spades shape, I would call it. Uh, beautiful tree. But yes, you could prune off a few lower branches right now. Um, I would be careful, though, not to ruin that nice form because that is one of its features. So, um, But yeah, lovely tree. You could prune it now if okay. you needed to. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. Catherine's calling in from Blaine this morning. Catherine, good morning. You are on with Julie. Hi. Good morning, Julie. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Julie, I have some Siberian irises somebody gave me, the bulbs. Now, how do I, what do I, can I still plant them, or do I wait until the spring, or what would be the best time to do that? So Siberian iris, there's two kinds of iris that we grow in our garden. One are German iris, and those are actually rhizomes, and they're kind of, they look kind of like um like ginger that you would like fresh ginger you cook with. Those are also rhizomes. And, uh, and then we also have Siberian iris, which are more of a, of a, of a hairy root type of plant. Uh, in both cases, you could plant them now um, since, uh, since you have them and uh, go ahead and water them well so that they get established. Those roots get established. It's a little bit late in the season. So I would also actually add some, leaf mulch to them. Now, if you if you have German iris, you want to plant those so that the rhizome sits at the surface of the soil so that you can see it. You don't want to plant it too deeply or it will simply leaf out and not bloom. And uh, and those, But the Siberian iris, which is that more hairy root, those can actually be planted just as a normal um, uh, root where you just bury it down. So, but, but the key right now is it's a little bit late in the season, so you're at a little bit of risk. Um, that they may not uh, establish well through the before winter, but you know it looks like we've got pretty good weather coming. And uh, just be sure to, to to water them so that they hydrate and those roots get established before dormancy. Very good. That reminds me, I've got to v- deeply water the uh, the shrubs before uh, yeah. I forget, right? That's a very yes. important thing this time of year. Yes, especially evergreens, because if you think of evergreens, they have to hang on to their needles, which are essentially their leaves, mm-hmm. uh, and they have to hang on to those through the winter. So they need to be hydrated going into the winter. Something else to do today. Mm-hmm. All right. Another task. Roger Don't put those is those co- hoses away yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Roger, Julie is calling in from Faribault, Minnesota this morning. Roger, good morning. You're on with uh, Julie. Good morning. Good to hear you. As an extension retiree, I listen to your program every Saturday morning. Oh, (laughs) nice. Thank you. Okay, good. And say, the the person that called in about green tomatoes, I found, take that you wrap them up in newspaper and put them in a dark place and check them maybe once a week or four or five days. They will ripen that way. I have, have heard of that? that too. I have heard of that too, and I've also heard that if they have a star on the bottom of the tomato, that means that they will continue to ripen. Have you heard of that, Roger? Mm. No, I haven't heard. That's a good tip. Thank you. I didn't know that. Yeah, but kind of yep. indicative that they still could ripen. Good. Very good. Thanks a lot. Awesome. All right, Roger. Thank Thanks, you, Roger. Thanks for the tip. So nice to hear from a fellow extension. Person. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Here's an interesting question. It said, uh, this listener says, I have uh, landscape timbers that have been in the ground for 30 years. I want to reuse them to make a raised vegetable garden. I was told if they are treated, uh, they have arsenic in them and should not be used for that. Is that true? And after this many years, how do you tell if they're treated? Oh, man. That is a tricky question. Um, I would not reuse old timbers, and for a couple reasons. One is that in the past, um, and I don't know if it's 30 years ago, um, timbers were treated with arsenic. Right. And we do not want to use those for raised beds, especially if you're growing edible plants. So that's the first thing. Second of all, those timbers are pretty darn old. And I would be surprised that if you took them out of the ground that you could even reuse them. I would think that they would be starting to rot in certain areas. And I would I would not waste my time with that. I would take them out. I would have them disposed of properly. Uh, you can contact your probably your garbage hauler uh, for information on that. And then I would use uh, some of our uh, newer landscape products. Um, you can use untreated wood. You can also use um, some of our uh, fabricated building products too. And I would build some new beds. And that would give you more longevity and you would not have to worry about whether those products had been treated with something in the past. Okay. Very good. Let's uh, go back to the phones. Julie, Laura is calling in from Plymouth uh, this morning. Laura, good morning. Uh, you're on, what's your question for Julie? Good morning. I have um, several large, I think they're called mandevils, the big big red flowers. Vine. Yes. Um, they're about, I'd say, three feet wide. They're just huge, and they're beautiful. And I've tried many times to winter them, and I just, I don't have any luck with it. I've tried cutting them back. I've tried leaving them as is. Um, and I don't have much light in my home. Um, and they just they just don't make it over the winter. They make it till like March and then they die. <laughs> and yeah. I'm wondering, is there any other option, like a way to maybe take the root ball and winter it? Or I thought I had heard one time about keeping it in sawdust or something. I, I'm just looking for options. That is an excellent question, and I am in the same camp as you. I have never had good luck overwintering mandevillas. Um, part of the problem that I keep running into is that they drop all their leaves, and then uh, essentially at some point they some pest appears on those plants, and I end up throwing them out. So um, it is they're difficult to overwinter in Minnesota. What I would recommend, you're correct to cut them back to a certain, I, I, would, I wouldn't cut them back to, uh, completely, but I would cut them back maybe um, to about, I don't know, 10 inches or so. Um, light is an issue and they do require quite a bit of light. You could rig up a grow light, that would be fine. Um, you can purchase different kinds of bulbs online or at one of our uh, brew and grow locations around the metro area. And you could put it under a grow light. Um, you could try overwintering it since you have three of them. You could try overwintering them in a cool, dark area and let them go dormant and just give them a little bit of water about once a month. And in that case, you would put them in a cool location, 45, 50 degrees, and just in the dark and uh, let them just go dormant and then take them out in the late winter and water them and put them in a sunny window, see if they come back. 
but they are tough to overwinter. If anybody uh, who's listening has had success with overwintering mandevillas, please uh, let us know because that I, I'm kind of stuck to. I have not had success. I've tried a number of different ways, but um, taking them out of the pot and putting them in sawdust and damp sawdust, you could try that as well. I don't know if that would actually work. These are tropical plants. Um, yeah, boy, I'm kind of stumped on that one too. Okay. Here's a listener that wants to know, can I prune an apple tree now? No. I would prune your apple tree in the late winter. And the reason for that is the plant is not dormant yet, and you want to prune when those plants are dormant. That will allow them to then, uh, when the spring comes, that they will, um, uh, they'll have time actually to heal over that wound that you've created before any insects or pathogens are available in the environment. So prune them in the winter, late winter. Okay. I have, Texter says, a coneflower with powdery mildew leaves. Can I put it in the ground for the winter from a pot? Will it tend to have the mildew next year? Yeah, powdery mildew is in our environment, so there's not much to do about it. And this time of year, we really see it on things like rudbeckias and echinacea. I have a peony that was completely covered with powdery mildew. You can cut it down. Uh, you can, If it's in a pot, you can put it in the ground now. Uh, again, we're getting pretty late to be planting any perennials in the ground, but you can take a chance and do that. Water it well, cut it back, and you can just compost those cuttings um, there, like I said, the powdery mildew is in our environment. Uh, not much to do about it. But one thing you can do is be sure that you plant your plants with enough spacing between them so it gets good air circulation around it. That will help to minimize the powdery mildew. Okay. Before we break, let's uh, get a phone call from Gwen, who call, who is calling in from Anoka this morning. Gwen, thank you. What What's your question for Julie? My question is, um, is it too late to transplant a young sugar maple? Oh boy. Um, I, if you, if you have the tree and you have no other option, okay, then then you're going to have to transplant it. Yeah. You're going to have to do that. You want to water it well. Uh, we have information on planting trees on our website. So take a look at the diagrams there. The important thing is not to plant it below is to find the root flare on that young maple and uh, younger trees, it might be a little more difficult, but you want to be sure that you're planting it so that root flare is behind the root flare on that young maple. And uh, younger trees, it might be a little more difficult, but you want to be sure that you're planting it so that root flare is above the ground. And then water it well and mulch the root area for the winter. Um, it, and, and you may have to stake it. It depends on how uh, the shape of the plant. And there, is di- there are diagrams for how you can stake and guy your plants as well. But that it's it's we're getting kind of late for planting plants. But if you have it and you have to plant it, yes, then you have to plant it now. Okay, how about planting a still bee now? Again, same thing. Um, perennials. We're getting late for planting, but uh, do it if you have the plant. And you, uh, if you're moving a plant, if you have, if you want to just move it for aesthetic reasons, I would wait till spring. Uh, and give it the whole season to reestablish. But if you're moving it because you're doing construction or you're leaving your home and you want to take it with you, that's a little bit different. Or if somebody gave it to you, um, if you have the plant, you got to do it, then do it right away. And be sure to water it really well and mulch it. 
All right, Julie, let's take a quick break here. We have more show to come. 651-461-9226. Smart Garden returns in a moment here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show here on WCCO. Denny Long along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. By the way, coming up next hour, uh, Nick, uh, Luke Panic, the deck specialist with, uh, with Linda's Construction, will be filling in for Andy. So if you have any kind of a deck question, that'll be your hour next hour here on CCO. Julie, here's a question I think, well, it's on my mind. It might be on other folks, too. This texture did not get a chance to aerate this fall. Is it beneficial to aerate in the spring then? Well, fall is optimal because we have less weed pressure during fall, uh, but spring would be your second best. So, yes, you can still aerate in spring. Just be aware that uh, that you won't be able to, if you're going to overseed after aerating, you can't put down a pre-emergent uh, for annual weeds. So you have to choose one or the other at that point. But, yeah. yes, you can still aerate in the spring. Very good. Uh, speaking of yards, this one uh, says, my yard is very uneven, divots, etc. How can I remedy this? Would aeration help that, do you think? I think aeration would help. Um, but also some people will rent a roller, and they're li- they literally roll their lawn to flatten out those uh, bumps and hills and whatnot Mm -hmm. if you have low spots you can fill them and uh and you would rake those up and remove that vegetation and then add in a seed topsoil mixture and then water it well i would do that in the spring though not well you could do it now actually you could fill them in now and put that seed down in dormancy dormancy sure yeah that would be fine you can go back and fill them in a little bit in the spring too if they didn't quite make it very good can you spray and kill burdock what is that Oh, burdock. Burdock is a tough plant. Burdock is a a biennial weed, meaning that the first year it grows leaves and roots, and the second year is when it blooms. It's the burrs that you get in your dog's fur, uh, and they're really big, and they're tough to get out. Um, You would have to spray with a broadleaf herbicide, and it has a very long taproot, so it may take a couple of applications. But yeah, burdock is tough. It is actually a plant that people grow for uh, medicinal purposes or food purposes sometimes. Um, Mm. But I don't recommend that, but uh, I would say try to get it out of your yard. Well, you don't usually get food tips on this show sometimes, (laughs) but but Becky from Wilmer, Julie, sent in this about that green tomato question. Oh, good. Great. Uh, Here's a green tomato tip. Can some dill green tomato slices, delicious on burgers. There are plenty of recipes online. Oh, great. Thank you, Becky. That's awesome. I, I might try that. I could go for that right now. <laughs> that sounds really good. <laughs> All right, let's see. This listener, Julie, says, I have pink and red turtlehead perennial plants. Should they be pruned back in the fall? No, you can leave those up. Um, I have pink turtlehead, hot lips it's called, and uh, I'm just enjoying it right now. It's a late season uh, blooming plant and uh, a good pollinator plant, by the way. And just leave it up, and then you can cut it back in the spring. How about mowing the lawn? How low should you cut it here as we hit the end of the season? On your last mow, you should mow down to about two inches. And uh, that will help to actually 
prevent or, or eliminate that extra grass cover that's so inviting to voles. Voles like to tunnel down in the, the grassy area. So cut it down to about two inches. That also helps if you're doing dormant seeding because then you get better seed to soil contact. Okay. Should I, listener says, cut back my hydrangea now or in the spring? I recommend cutting it back in the spring. Um, you can cut it back in the fall, and there's a good publication on our Yard and Garden News. It was an article that Debbie Lonnie from Bailey Nurseries and I wrote about pruning hydrangeas. It will become a web page soon. Uh, but it, uh, depending on the type of hydrangea, you can cut it back um, usually in the spring. I think all hydrangeas you can cut in the spring. Some you can cut in the fall. I like to keep it up because I like having the winter interest of the old flowers. Sure. Um, there's, I'm looking at a few of these now, getting more, more green tomato tips. Uh, oh, good. now this may be a, a great, uh, choice for this listener to get on the uh, university website. Any suggestions for a privacy type of tree or shrub in the Bemidji area? Oh yeah. Well, evergreens are going to give you your year-round privacy. So you want to look for evergreens. I would do a mix of evergreens. Sometimes people will grow all arborvitae, for example, or all spruce. But I, I like to do a mix. And I think also I would include maybe some red twig dogwood in that as well to give you some of that color against your privacy hedge uh, in the winter. So I would do a combination of spruce maybe some balsam or um, some a little bit of arborvitae would be fine. And then I would add in those red twig dogwoods. I think it, you'd really get a, a lot of bang for your buck in the winter, and you'd also have a really interesting hedge in the summer and the growing season. Can I trim the dead branches off my oak? We are at low risk for oak wilt, ideally, uh, I would mark those branches and I would prune them off in the winter just to be on the safe side. It's low risk time for oak wilt, meaning that this is not the time of year when oak wilt is uh, moving uh, or spreads easily. But to be on the safe side, because oaks are so valuable, I would just tie a ribbon, tie a piece of uh, plastic or something on those particular branches or mark them with a little bit of paint. And then I would prune them off in the winter. Just had uh, B&M Tree uh, Service over yesterday looking at my oaks, and uh, he said, no, I'm going to wait till the university tells me yeah. it's okay to do that. Oh. And I thought, hey, they li- awesome. he listens. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. That. We have a minute to go, Julie. Let's Great. give the uh, Brewfest one more plug and the website <laughs> yeah. another plug, too. All right. Well, the website, extension.umn.edu, go to Yard and Garden. We have uh, Yard and Garden News up there. We have a little bit of time left for our gardening experience survey, so please take it. Uh, You can win a $100 gift card or get your name in the drawing for that. And then, yes, the abiders are playing at the Tonka Brew Fest, November 6th, 3 to 6. It's out at Gale Woods Farm in Minnetrista. It is a fundraiser for our Mound West Tonka Rotary that does so much good. And you can get your tickets online at brewfest.org. Excellent. Julie, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Say hi to Carl, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Danny. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Next up here on CCO, get those deck questions. Luke Panic from Linda's Construction will be hosting next hour here on CCO. Right now, skies are fair. Our current temperature reading at 33 degrees. We are heading for 49. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 